It's time to take a K-drama coffee break with the K-3. But what I liked about this one is that he played like against type. And that's what I really enjoyed in Flower of Evil. Hey everyone, I am Jen from the K3, and today we are starting our new podcast series called Rewatch, where we are going to rewatch some of our favorite K-dramas four episodes at a time and then dive in and talk about it, right? And we want you to follow along with us. And with me today, I have three of my K-drama BFFs. We have Michaela from the uh, from the K-pop cast, Carol from K-drama Musings, and of course, our girl Caitlin from No Sleep for Dramas, because she covers them all. I only have a bandwidth for K-dramas. Um, so with that being said, why don't you guys jump in and just introduce yourselves real quick. Michaela? Hi, guys. I'm Michaela from the K-pop cast. We're a K-pop, but also just Asian entertainment, pop culture podcast in general. We also have a segment called the K-drama cast where we get into, we've recently gotten into various K-dramas, including our drama today, Flower of Evil. So uh if you guys want to check a more of a deep dive into like what we talked about there, which is more of like an actual uh, good versus evil carceral justice review of the show. If you're interested in that, go check it out. Um, but we also have some fun K-pop picks of the week and just K-pop news commentary and things I like love that. It. And you guys can well. find her at the K-pop cast on Twitter and Instagram, correct? Yes. Excellent. On all socials. I love it. All right. Carol from K-Drama Musings. Hi everyone, it's Carol from K-Drama Musings and my handle is K-Dramas with an S on Instagram and on TikTok and I'm just very excited to be here today. I've been watching K-Dramas for 27, 28 years and so I've watched so many episodes. I'm just excited to now have friends to talk about it with. And I'm excited for today's episode. I'm Let's see where so it goes. excited. Yay. I love it. 27 years. I can only imagine the changes that you have witnessed over the K-drama landscape Ooh. in 27 years. That's amazing. All right. Last but not least, you guys all know Caitlin. Yeah. Caitlin, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Hi, I'm Caitlin. As Jen just said, you guys probably know me. Uh, I am also on all the socials under No Sleep for Dramas. I do blog, TikTok. I sometimes guest on podcasts as well as you'll see me on the k3 youtube channel uh i have not been watching dramas for 27 years but i've been watching it for over 10 so that's 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 it's so that's so great yeah (laughs) i i am a newbie i'm like i think i'm only like seven eight years in but it's just the landscape has changed so much just in that short amount of time that i can only imagine what you've all witnessed over the years um, so that brings us to Flower of Evil. Like Flower of Evil is probably my all-time, it probably is the number one spot. It's one of the few dramas I've rewatched multiple times. And so that is why this, that's the one that I chose to go ahead and be like, hey guys, you want to come and hang out and talk Flower of Evil with me? Because I can talk about this drama forever. It just was one of those, it just really struck me. It was very well done. The acting was great. I love the story. Um, but, you know, we see that all the time with dramas, right? There's so many that we really enjoy. So what it's, I think it's about what is it that makes it a rewatchable one? And I was talking with you guys earlier when we were just kind of planning this. And I had mentioned that I think the thing is, is that we watch so many dramas because they're like 16, 20 episodes and then they're gone. And then we've moved on to the next one. So we really haven't had a chance to like 
you know, obsess about it and really talk about it because it goes by so fast. So that's kind of why I wanted to start this rewatch podcast. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at with it. And then you guys all agreed to join me on the Flower of Evil trek. With that being said, I want to ask, what were your thoughts? Because we obviously know Jen is the hugest uh, Flower of Evil fan. What did you guys think when you first watched Flower of Evil? Were, did you love it as much as I did? Or were you just kind of like, that's a good one, but you know, it's just a K-drama. I loved this one. I'm a huge Asian Key fan, and I've been watching him since like Ilgime, Time Between Dog and Wolf, like all those really good shows and I think he picks really intriguing projects and so when I saw Flower of Evil and it was Munche Wan, I was just like yeah of course I'm in and this show had a way of really giving you cliffhangers of is that him or is that someone else and I was living for it each episode. Absolutely. I, I was going to say, we're going to dive into it, but episode one through four, like one of my biggest notes is like, they really kept you guessing if he really was the bad guy for full four episodes. It was amazing. And I've watched it like four times and I'm still like, oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Michaela, what about you? What was your first thoughts when you watched it? Well, yeah, no, they they keep you guessing. And the first thing that I, I definitely noticed after I've I've admittedly rewatched this a few times, more like maybe like four or five times, like like Jen, this is a number one on my list as far as K-dramas that are the most rewatchable and that I do rewatch kind of around this time. It's kind of like my my fall winter drama that I like to watch. Um, but yeah, they definitely keep you guessing. And especially in the rewatch, I noticed they're especially in flashback scenes, certain takes that they use to show situations, definitely they, they don't help you. They, they won't really want to lead you in this direction of like seeing the worst of the character before you can like really figure out all the Absolutely, information. Right. I love that. It was like, give me a little bit, then flash it back to give you a little insight and then flash it forward. Oh, it was just so good. I'm so glad someone else has watched this one as many times as I have. <laughs> And Caitlin, what about you? I think I feel like ultimately you're going to be our outlier in this entire series. <laughs> um, so, I mean, uh, when this drama was first announced, I'm a crime K-drama junkie. So, like, I knew I was going to watch this. It wasn't a matter of me not watching it. But um, Lee Joon-gi was not the thing that drew me to watch this in the first place. It was the addition of Kim Ji-hoon. And the fact that when they announced him, they didn't say anything about what his role was going to be or anything like that. And I fell in love with Kim Ji-hoon like three years prior to when this aired in another drama. And he hadn't done a drama since that drama. So I was like, oh, my God, we're getting a comeback. This is exciting. And I don't even know what he's doing. I hope it's great. And obviously, without spoilers... We all know his role in this drama if you've seen it. So this drama, in my personal opinion, was like his second coming in K-drama land. Because we all know like what happened afterward with him joining the Netflix shows and everything like that. So I was going to watch this show anyway, but he was actually really what drew me to watch this show. Now, what's interesting for me is like I like Lee Joon-ki, but I was never a huge Lee Joon-ki fan. Like I was not like a like, but I watched this one. And I was like, it was just such a, 
from what I've seen, because I didn't go deep in his filmography, but it just seemed like such a different character than what I'd seen over the few, the, the Lawless Lawyer, and uh, I forget the other one that I watched. Um, there's a couple of them, but he was... I did. I did. I tried. I couldn't get through it. I tried really hard. I really vampires are my thing. I love them. Isu Hyuk was a vampire. Like, come on. I was really. I tried. I just couldn't mm-hmm. get through it. But he always plays, in my opinion. I've noticed that he's always kind of plays this cocky man of the people who knows everything and is the brightest and the smartest and the. He always and I. It's, he's very enjoyable and I think he's got a lot of charm. But what I liked about this one is that he played like against type. And that's what I really enjoyed in Flower of Evil. Um, I should probably say mostly we've all watched it. So this podcast is not going to be spoiler free because that's it's kind of the enjoyment of rewatching. So if you have not watched it yet, you can enjoy this. Maybe follow along with us and listen to the podcast after you've watched the first four episodes or, you know, follow along. But if you've rewatched, if you watched it before, it, this is going to be kind of like just kind of enjoying it for what it is. With that being said, uh, Kim Ji-hoon, I did not know who he was, but I knew at the end of episode three, I think, when they revealed him, I'm like, well, we know this is a bigger character because that man's main of glory. There's no way they're wasting that on a coma patient. <laughs> there is no way. He's too pretty and his hair is luscious. There is no way they're wasting that on just a coma patient who's going to sit there for 12 episodes. So. Yeah. All right. So let yeah. So let's just let's dive in. Let's get started with episodes one through four. Okay. So that's what we're discussing this week. So a basic, very easy synopsis because I tried to pull one from the my drama list and that, but it didn't didn't really cover what I how I felt it was. So basically, he's a doting husband, right, and father, as well as the son mm-hmm. of a serial killer and a murder suspect. So he's living at the top of the show, living this seemingly perfect life under an assumed identity, right? So there's a lot already before you even hit play. Um, And she's his adoring, unaware police detective wife, right? And so it's just basically as the show starts, this perfect facade starts to crumble. And it's what is the fallout of that crumbling facade is essentially what the flower of evil is, at least how I interpret it after four rewatches. What do you guys think? You think that's a decent synopsis? Yeah. That's, that's a really good one. So with that being said, we as we mentioned, Lee Jung-gi is our lead. He is playing the duelish role of uh, Do Hyun-soo and Baek Hee-sung. We've got uh, Moon Che-won, who is our wife, the Cha Ji-won. And then, I'm sorry, their little girl, Bakuna, was, she stole the show and so many times for me. So she's a huge part of the story, obviously. She's their child. And then the biggest character probably within the first four episodes is our, is our, I mean, let's be honest, not the brightest reporter you've ever met, but um, our reporter, Kim Woo Jin. <laughs> Those are probably the top four characters of this of the first four episodes. So let's discuss. All right. So we've already kind of talked about where Flower of Evil currently, currently falls in your watch list and if you've rewatched it before. So we're hitting play on this rewatch. So you hit play, y'all. What were your first thoughts as the opening, Caitlin's ready to go, on the open, as soon as you hit play and that opening scene starts with him being needed to be rescued in the fishery, drowning. Caitlin, go. I forgot it started this way. (laughs) And this is what, this is like one of my favorite scenes from the entire drama. So I was like, oh my God, it starts here. So I was very glad 
that it started on that scene. I too kind of <laughs> forgot. Like as soon as the opening like string from that from the theme song started, I literally stopped and was like, this theme song brings me so much joy. It just makes me so happy every time I hear it. And then they cut to the scene of them in the fishery where he's drowning and she's trying to save him and they're having this voiceover of, of just thoughts to each other. And I'm like, that's right. This is where they started the show. And I remember when we first watched it, Maurice and I started like, like we're bitching on our thing. We're like, how long are we gonna have to wait for the res- resolution on this? And they, I was so grateful that we didn't have to wait long. It was amazing. Cause usually you have to wait to like episode 15 to get this resolution. I'm like, Oh, really show. Oh, this is going to be rough. But I was so happy and watching it now. It was just great. Okay, Michaela, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I forget about that scene, too, because I I did a cheeky start on episode two when I first watched it. So I never had to, to worry. I didn't even know we were getting to that place at all when I first started. Like when I first started, he's already got his his reporter in the basement and he's like the chaji ones on the case trying to find whoever like almost attempted to kill this kid. Like that's where I started wow. in the show initially. So it was so interesting again after rewatching going back to the beginning to see that they they kind of show you where they're going and that you know this is going to be a part where they again are forced to confront these issues that they have of the things that they're hiding from each other but then they immediate clip to but we're gonna start with like them just loving on each other first until you're like hey they're still in like a nice married relationship like it's not just the story of their their tribulations it's also the story of them like coming together and like being absolutely closer to i other. loved oh sorry go ahead carol i was gonna say i'm curious why they started with episode two i've never heard of that i that's kind of i i have issues with a lot of pilots and i've been burned by pilots and pilots have kept me from watching shows that i actually would have really enjoyed so i if there's a show that i'm coming to for the first time and i'm like maybe kind of interested or maybe i'm like I don't know if I'll, or, or maybe I don't have enough time. I'll like, I'll start on episode two or three, depending on like how long I know the show is, especially if I'm like coming to it after it's already aired, because that's usually again, where it's with K-dramas, episode two is the biggest cliffhanger because it's usually two episodes a week. Yeah. And that's kind of like, what's going to keep you coming back if you're not wanting to worry about all the exposition. In episode I've always, yeah. I always yeah. think of okay. the first two episodes. I always think of them as one, like the, that's the pilot. Like the first two episodes, that's how I always have. Yeah. So I'm, I'll always give like drama like two episodes, those first two episodes. But if it doesn't grab me there, I might begrudgingly give it, give it three and four. That's interesting. Oh, I might have to try that. I have told people to skip the first episode to get beyond like and like the glory. Like I told Maurice, I'm like, just skip the first episode. You'll still get what's happening without all the trauma that's involved. And she was like, thank you so much. <laughs> that's true. That worked really well. For right. Me. So yeah. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. And then by the time if you get to the end of it, you're like, oh, I love the show. I wish I could watch more. Hey, you still have a whole other you episode. You do save a little bit. <laughs> It's like this nice little this present at the end to kind of like, oh, here we are. And then, oh, how did we start? I have to pick up that 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 concept, Michaela. I like that. Okay, so Carol, you hit play on Flower of Evil. What were your first, like, as it started, were you like, yes? Or were you like, oh, okay, let's do this? No, I was like, yes, because I was like, oh, this is going to be intense. Why is she saving him in a pool? What did he do to get there? I had all these questions in my mind already. And then we go to the lovey-dovey. I'm like, oh, Legion PV and lovey-dovey is just perfect. 
It's just perfection. And was it satisfying on the and rewatch when you did when you when you hit play on that? I rewatched this. I think this is my fifth rewatch. So I'm always. I don't know. I know what's going to happen, but I love how it's edited and paced. And so I'm always on the edge of my seat and being like, oh, this is the part that, oh, this is the part that, uh, yeah. So I love I it. really enjoy it. Some things that I actually noticed on this rewatch that I hadn't, I mean, maybe I might've noticed, but I was just binging through it because I just needed it so bad. But this time to like really analyze it, what I found really interesting is that the opening scene in the fishery where he's drowning and she's giving him mouth to mouth is edited, segued almost perfectly to them kissing in their house. So it's, and and then right, not yes. to get too ahead of ourselves, but then if you think about the ending, it all kind of is mirroring itself. It's almost, it's so yes. good. It's so good. And I was like, damn show. It's so good. So I really, really dug that. So yeah, I was really excited on it. I remember, again, coming into it as a rewatch, like watching like behinds and like press conferences, like one of my favorite moments from one of the press conferences they did before the show was airing was that Moon Chae Wan was like, yeah, no, back in high school, like I went to go see this movie with my friend and we were like, oh, wow, that lead actor, he's like really cute. And it was The King and the Clown, which Lee Jun Gi was the star of. And so now how many years later she's like, Playing a character that's married with babies to her high school crush. That's is adorable. adorable. That's right. I re- I remember that interview. It was so. Oh, it was adorable. That's amazing. I love it. With this, with what we've talked about, especially when, when uh, on our show when we talked about the episode, we were mostly focusing mm-hmm. on Ijugi's character. So for me, going into this rewatch, I really wanted to focus on Moon Chae Won's character Cha Ji Won because there's a lot. There's a big focus on like his story and like how he evolves and how he like figures out who he is but every rewatch I realize I'm not really focused on her character's Mm -hmm. development and the the writer talked about like her um journey is about her accepting like this new world that is being revealed to her through the you know all these secrets coming out and her destroying the walls within herself so like you said she's a cop She's a cop to a fault sometimes, especially as we go further on in the series. And so it's her kind of evolving past this like, oh, I'm a cop. No, I'm a mother. Mm -hmm. I'm a wife. I'm all these other things. So just like seeing how her character develops through that show specifically and like, which I hadn't really noticed before, especially on previous watches, because I mean, you know, I'm mostly looking at Eju Geek the whole time. I really liked, I mean, again, it was a little on the nose, but I thought it was so well done. Like each case she had peeled back a little layer of the what's about to implode her life. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. I, how could something be that wrong and you not notice? Peel, as his as her husband is like basically kidnapped a reporter and no hiding them in his yeah. basement. You're just like, oh my God. And like the first time you watch it. Yeah. yeah is maybe going to kill It him? was just so, I just really, I really enjoyed watching just that whole thing. Um, okay, great. So. We kind of mentioned it, and Michaela kind of mentioned it, but did you notice anything new this time around? And so I mentioned that I noticed a little bit more with the playing of the editing from A to B, all the through line of how they edited it. And Michaela just mentioned paying more attention to uh, Taji Wan's character. What about Carol and Caitlin? Did you guys notice anything new on this rewatch? I have two things. One, I'll just like to say this is my first rewatch. So I'm 
Yeah, I'm the only person who has never rewatched. I don't rewatch shows. I have very limited rewatch. I literally have had two K dramas I've ever rewatched in my life. So I don't rewatch shows. So this is my first one. So I'm I'm the as Jen said, I'm the outlier here. Um I will say, and just because before we move off of Muche Wan, I still hate her voice when she talks to her husband. <laughs> I was annoyed by her voice when I did this on the first watch because I think it's just, I don't know if that's, it didn't sound natural to me and it still doesn't sound natural. It sounds like lovey-dovey, like she it was a voice she did. I don't know if that was actually a choice, mm-hmm. but I still found myself really annoyed in the like lovey-dovey scenes when she was talking to him. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when she was playing the 17, like, 18 year old like when she was her younger self i was still very annoyed by her voice i will say that's the one scenes. place where i have to you know, like uh, really extend my uh my level of of acceptance is when they play high school students or like the really young ones i'm like mm, he's he's 40 years old y'all like i mean the blonde wig is not really making him 18 it's just not happening suspension of disbelief yeah i don't think they were in high school back then i think it was college and I, I didn't mind her voice because I felt like she felt she had to be lovey-dovey. Really, like Michaela, I was concentrating on Wen Wan's character this time because I feel like she really needed to be accepted and to be liked. And so she had on this voice to sort of encourage people to be open to accepting her. And then you see her uh, when she went to the workshop to give him beer or something like that. And she took a picture of him and he lost it on her. I felt like she is using that voice to be liked. And that's, mm. that's something that is interesting to her and her need to be accepted i find so fascinating because i'm at the same time i'm like you're a detective you shouldn't care like what's going on with you i agree yeah i agree um i will say there was a quote i wrote down in episode one that uh it was the older male partner the older cop um he said quote of all the crazy people guess which kind is most annoying patient people and I was like, that is literally Junji's <laughs> character to like the T of because I mean he had to put on this whole facade and practice his facial expressions for years and years and years and years and years. And he's extremely patient um up until his life starts falling apart. But like at that up to that point on episode one when he said that quote, that was literally Eugene's yes. character. So that's a perfect segue. Uh, Let's move so into episode one and two. And like what were our favorite moments? I will say that watching episode one and two for me, it was the epitome of the writing structure of what makes today different from any other. And it was just watching his life go from being this completely controlled environment where he basically is like I, she's not a problem because I can control her with his parents. That was air quotes in case you're listening to the podcast. Um, uh, his parents to his whole world just starting to crumble within less than 24 hours simply because his wife knows this reporter who happens to know him. 
and he wants to get a necklace from 40, you know, 20 years ago fixed. Like just what makes today different than any other? And I just thought that it was just the most perfect example of that because you're just like, oh, you poor bastard. You poor, poor bastard. So what about you guys? Um, I will say still one of my favorite moments, and this is going all the way to the episode two, which up until this point in episode two, you really don't see Muche Wan have a dark side. Like she's a cop, she's justice, she like as Carol was saying, like put on a fa- like a facade of wanting people to like her. And then that whole bathroom scene with the girl who killed the older woman, I was like, I remember when I first watched this, I was like, oh, so she's a little crazy too. Like it's not just her <laughs> husband, right? Potentially. So like I I still love that scene on the rewatch because it was more of like um it was like a switch. It was kind of what Yujun Gi's character was been doing. Whereas he, Yujun Gi, uh, that I noticed obviously in the first Warrior Watch as well as this second one, is like he can, he is very well, like he does switching on and off his emotions and facial expressions at like a blink of an eye very well. So when she did that pretty much in this bathroom scene from like just, I mean, getting this woman to like come with her or just confess her to mm-hmm. completely just like taking her to the ground and like putting the knife from her purse to the neck and like, oh, I can, I'm a cop. I can do this, blah, blah, blah. That I remember it on the first watch as well as this watch. I was like, Okay, they're kind of made for each other. Like <laughs> right. honestly, they, they're kind right. of made she got for each spice. other. I like the spice. I was very happy to see that for sure. All right, Michaela, what about you? What were what were some of your favorite uh, moments in episodes one and two? Oh, just anytime I see the family together, just like the three of them with their little girl, like just being parents and just loving each other is just that's the heart of the show. Like, yeah, there's a lot of darkness, but again, it's just around this family, like just trying to figure out their life together. And like the actress, the little actress that plays like Peggy Ha is just so she she steals my heart every time she she Her says anything and those damn in the show. Egg tarts, I literally they were mm-hmm. just they were the best. I just love them so much. Yeah, Carol. For for me, it was the um, like Michaela said, the family. But there was a scene where Ijinki takes his daughter to school, and they have that interaction with the teacher, and the teacher is like, "Your dad is so perfect." Whatever. I thought it was so cute and i and i could see him playing a role a very believable mm-hmm. role because he has everyone fooled and then you see him meet the reporter for the first time in his studio and there's a switch the air is different and the way he's talking is different and it it's almost very threatening like you've come into my cage and we're mm-hmm. gonna play, and I just loved, loved those. And two even scenes. when he dropped his daughter off, he also kind of had that switch on a lower level when he turned around and called his mom yes. or the mom, the you know, and he was just yes. like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He yeah, turns yes, yes. and like, we need to talk. I'm coming over. I was like, oh, like it was just he just. I think that's why it's for me. It's just the Ejungi role because it was just. He just so hit all those turns 
always. And what comes up, and I, I don't, when we get to it, I will talk to it. It's like an, an episode I want to say, like eight, maybe 10. <gasps> it's like my favorite scene of all time. And it's the one that makes me, I will die on the hill that he should have won the Bexing for sure. And I'm still angry he did not win it for this role. It was so good. Um, one of my favorite scenes, and I love the family and I love the whole dynamic of it, but one of my favorite scenes, because it was just so well executed and I felt like it just set the stage with very li- no exposition fairy came through there wasn't like a four minute monologue but that first dinner scene basically transitioning from them being lovey-dovey in the workshop to her racing to get ready for this thing and she's and you think it's just a regular birthday dinner and then they cut to that two shot of the the parents just staring down at this little, like, like a creature. Like, what is this? How have you brought, why are we here? And it was just the angle of the shot being, you know, with them looking down and her having like being scared. It was just, just brilliantly done with the transition and explaining with very little need to, to do again, that exposition fairy, you knew instantly that the, something weird is going on here. Like there is something off. And then as the dinner progressed, you learn that Lee Joon-gi is like, I got G1 under control. There's no need to worry. And it was just, I just thought it just with very few words, let us know that this all is not as it seems. And I thought it was brilliant. Caitlin? Um, One thing I also wrote down is, and I don't know if I noticed this on my first watch, but in the second watch, the camera angles and like how close the camera is to specifically Junggi because he mostly this mostly has happened in the scenes he's done add to the tension of his character the dramatic uh, effect of him trying to get out of these situations or confronting the reporter or fighting the reporter and they do the same thing with like the two criminals and the two episodic crimes in these two first episodes like i noticed the cry the camera angles and the closeness of the camera shots more in the second rewatch which again led led to right the tension absolutely uh so what a absolutely I totally agree and I, the the I wrote my notes kind of in the same vein I'm like he's such a villain in this first episode like you believe that he is the villain but can mm-hmm. we just talk one of my quibbles could Kim Jin be any dumber could he be any more stupid like I'm like you walk in to this room with your old high school buddy who also is a suspected murderer and you like don't race out the door instantaneously. Like, listen, we needed him to stay there so that he could be kidnapped and thrown in the basement. But like, there were just so many moments that he was just like, what? Where is Becky Sung? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm so confused. What is happening? And I'm just like, oh, you poor, poor bastard. Like, it's just hilarious. Even if Becky Sung is there, I would not be staying. And we didn't get that about him. Like, why are you staying? What are you, what are you doing he's here? To get and he's like, I, you don't need to give me a gift. I'm like, this is your perfect opportunity to leave. Like, turn around, walk out the door. And he's like, that's okay. Yeah, of course I will come up and give you my information and where to ship it. <laughs> Just like, oh, dude. Anyway, so that was my one big quibble, uh, but it was just so well done. I just, I mean, we had to get there. So, I mean, you know. I appreciate that we used uh, Lee Joon-gi's martial arts skills within the first episode because I feel like he has to use them in every show he's in. Even if he is just your average metal craftsman, he still has mad skills. Mad, mad martial arts skills. 
That is the other thing I will say, just in K-dramas in general. One of my favorite things is like the level of just unique occupations that everybody has. Like, have you ever seen a U.S. drama where someone is a metal craftsman as the lead? Like, it just, it just doesn't happen. And like, he's actually crafting. It's not like he's just sitting, you know, in a chair and it's like, I'm a metal craftsman. Look at my, look at my wares. Like, they got him like making shit and stuff. And I'm just like, what kind of training did he have to go to to like play this role? Like, I was fascinated by it. <laughs> exactly. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, I love that part. I will say, okay, so at the end of episode two, I laughed in my rewatch because I forgot how dramatic the end of episode two was. (laughs) Because, like, (laughs) he not only, like, walks in in this black raincoat, obviously because, like, we just had another murder, whatever. But, like, the music swells and the instrumental is just so dramatic. Like, I love the music in this drama. Don't forget the lightning crash. Yeah, the lightning... Yeah, the lightning and like carrying a plastic bag and you can't see anything. And it's three o'clock in the morning. Like I laughed on my rewatch because I was like, oh, my God, I forgot how dramatic this was. <laughs> and some of the water dripping on his coat looked like blood. Just with the shadows of the light. It was just perfection. I loved it. Yeah. I laughed but in a way that I was like, I love this show so much. Like, I was just like, I was so happy that I could just move right into episode three. I was so excited. The comedy of the show is very interesting because like you, especially on, on the rewatch, you notice again more of those comedic. I mean, like the Kim Woo-jin's character, obviously, like all of his reactions to everything are, are intentional comedy. But just like certain things with like the way that like uh, uh, Do Hyun Soo is like making quips with him when they're, when they're talking, or like just the, just simple little things, like him was it uh, stealing that little girl's doll, like throwing it in the trash. <laughs> like it's not intentionally like, oh, this is a comedic scene, oh, but I still find it absolutely. Funny. I you love I mean? that scene, especially after after Bekana was like so upset about the doll, and then you just see you just you see that he basically was like, oh, I got you, I got you, I got you, Cope. Like, it was just such a great moment. It was so fantastic. Yeah. I like that. And then I think also with the comedy, Jiwon's co-workers, the different, that one detective, like, he's like, he's just smart, but like stupid at the same time. And so like, he, I think is also giving us a few little outlets for some comedy in there as well. I remember being so annoyed by him and the reporter eventually. (laughs) in my first watch of this so i'm assuming i'm gonna be annoyed <laughs> i just i think by one of my notes in all of episode uh one and two i think even into three and four and i love it but it's like how in god's name did kim Jin go from being basically a captive to like his best friend by the end of this drama <laughs> like, yeah. just that growth alone yeah. you're just like that's it's an impressive way to script something but it was I believed it the whole time. I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Totally. That makes sense. Yes, you tortured tortured me, but I didn't make it easy it's, for you in high school so either. So we're we're you know, even. We're same same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? I was just And bringing up the high school, I did write a note on episode two because this is, I think this is the first time they showed up. And I know I mentioned this multiple times in my first watch of Flower Evil. They picked young actors to portray these characters in high school to a T. Like it could have been them in high school, especially 
eat Jungi's character. Like, I still was like, oh my god, I forgot how good this casting was. I was the exact um, same. When they showed him so tied yeah, to a tree, I was like, I oh my god, that's right. This kid is like a young A Jungi. Like, I was like, wow. It was so good. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so let's move on to three and four. So I kind of like one and two is kind of the pilot, right? And so it just basically sets us up mm-hmm. for basically Pecky Ju- uh, Song's world imploding. Like it's all going to shit. And that's the story, right? And how is he, he, how is he going to handle it? Is he the bad guy? Is he not? And then we move into three and four with the kind of the same, you know, where are we with him? And so what did you guys think about three and four? Um, I loved three because I finally, I finally felt like he was being pushed and he didn't know how to handle it. So my favorite scene actually is when he, was that three or four? When he takes Moon, the reporter to his house and he is on the ledge on the balcony while his wife is in the house and she, he gets a call and now he's three. pretending three, right? He's pretending mm-hmm. to be what she knows while hanging on the ledge. I was right? just like, you, you are amazing. You're struggling. Your world is imploding. Like we've said, but you're sort of handling it but at the same time as busting up the seams. How are you feeling? Like, it's something that we see later yeah. in other episodes that I really liked, but I love the progression that Lee Joon-gi did of, uh, of this character, whatever name you want to use, uh, basically starting to have a panic attack. Like, he is going into full anxiety because he's never had to experience this before. Everything's always been under his control to some, the most extent, right? Especially this marriage and this family, right? He's basically played the role to make sure everything stays copacetic. And all of a sudden, it's falling apart. And I love the beats that you see, especially with him hanging off the thing and keeping it together because that's what he does. And then when he gets inside um, Kim Woo Jin's apartment and everybody leaves and he just kind of kicks his head back. And like you see him, you see that panic attack starting to, it's starting to kick in. And over the episodes, you see Lee Jung Gi build on that and build on that and build on that until it just, and I, it's just one of my favorite acting bits I've ever seen. And I love it. What I found interesting and the question I have for when we all share, after we all share, is with Ijungi's character, we know that he doesn't care. Essentially, he has learned to care. And so I was I was confused as to why he didn't just let it all go to dust. Like, what is it about this family and this moment that he doesn't want it to go to dust. Because really, he doesn't care. See, I kind of looked at it a different way. I looked at it as he doesn't believe he cares because he's been told he doesn't care. Like he doesn't, he's been told over and over again that because of his his condition, that he does not have the ability to care. So he doesn't believe he cares. But I, my, the way I always interpreted it is that through the years of doing, you know, they always say like for in psychology, like just smile. And if you smile, it kind of changes your, and I feel like he's done the bit so long that it's no longer a bit. It's part of who he is. So, but he doesn't believe that because on a surface level, he thinks he's just playing the role. But the second the role is about to be exposed 
is when he starts to have that panic. And so that's how I always saw it. I always saw it as him in his soul and in his in his core, knowing that there's a care and a, and a love there, but not because he's never used those words or those expressions that he doesn't even know what that means. He just thinks it's part of his playing. That's how yeah. I've always seen it. What about you guys? What about Michaela, okay. Caitlin? Okay. What about you guys? I think it also has to do with his father too, because all of the trauma he has from his father and what the village did to him with his father along with again years and years and years of what Jem was just saying of people telling him that he is going to turn out to be his father uh i think that also has caused his ability to notice that he actually does care and he actually does have these moments where he cares like for example the, the doll thing i think if he absolutely did not care about anything he wouldn't have done the doll um, and I noticed that on my rewatch too. I was like, oh, that's a little sign that he actually is not playing a part anymore. Um, so I think he has just been conditioned from what Jen was saying into what his father did and him being the son of a serial killer and having to deal with societal issues going along with that. He doesn't know how to identify anything and also like growing up in that household he probably has never been taught those things or even like given those things from a parent maybe his sister obviously that's another role but like he he hasn't had good examples of that until he started playing this bit even with the even with the family and the parents he gained from like the doctor and the pharmacist like they don't they're not the loving parents that he should have gotten as an example either. So his wife and his child was his first examples of love and affection and this yeah. whole thing. So I don't think he just doesn't have examples and can't really identify with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think ultimately he does care and he's just spent his life pretending not to care because that's what he's been told. And if he did, like you said, Carol, like just give it all up, I think that's counter to what this show is trying to do. Because one, when I tried to to think of like Western examples or comparisons of predecessors to the show, like I think of shows like You or Dexter or like shows that are actually following literal serial killer murderers going about life trying to pretend to be real people when in actuality there there's the, the real person is the darkness that is, is in them with Ijung Gi's character. It's the opposite. He, he is, there is the light inside of him, but he's covered in darkness because that's how he's been taught. Like you said, Caitlin, from all of these things that the people have told him that he is to, to go through the world and how to be. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, and also when we find out like the whole being suspected of killing the uh, village head, like even that, I think even back in those days, he had a protective kernel in him. That is part of, I think that was able to sprout as well. Like, I mean, the poor boy has just been abused from the get go. So yeah. And he's got anti-personality disorder. Yeah. Even speaking of the protective part, like I can't remember what episode it was. I think it was three, maybe four mm -hmm. when they're on the balcony and Yijungi is the reporter. And like the reporter asked him point blank if he killed the village head. And he's like, yes, of course I did. 
And then he was like, well, did you kill the restaurant guy? And he's like, no, I absolutely didn't. I think that was, we at, we asked the question earlier of like the reporter, how, how quickly he turned around to be a like supporter mm-hmm. of Lee Joong-gi and trying to figure all this out. I think that mm-hmm. was one part. Like he was like, well, he wouldn't lie. But we also saw that he was, I mean, at least me, I don't know if I noticed this on my first watch, but definitely the rewatch, I was like, Oh, he's definitely protecting something by immediately shouting, yes, I killed the the head. Um, but then the other thing is a reporter, which I don't know if I realized this in my first watch. Maybe I did. But like the re- reporter in episode three coming to realization that Lee Joon-gi mm-hmm. was in the room mm-hmm. with him at 3, p- 3 a.m. And he was like, oh, so he definitely didn't kill this dude. I think that also went to the fact that why it was such a quick turnaround of them being partners right. and now, not really yeah, buddy-buddy. That's a really good point, Dan. And then as we progress, there's also, I think, a ton of guilt that uh, Kim Woo-jin has got over the years of everything that had happened. So yeah. I think that also probably plays into it. But it just up front, like the first two episodes, you're just like, what is happening? Like, what? what? How, how did we get here? Suddenly they're like, suddenly they're like a buddy cop film. <laughs> speaking of the reporter too i have one note in episode three on how we were talking about how me okay so me and i have a criminal justice degree background so i'm not like an expert at all i've never been a cop i do have a degree whatever but like one of the things that drives me nuts in k-dramas and asian dramas in general is how bad the cops are and uh, I I understand, like, obviously, after years of watching K-dramas, it is a story dynamic. Like, they have to make them stupid to make sure it doesn't get solved in two episodes or whatever. But I... <laughs> the, the part where, like, <laughs> they're interrogating a reporter in episode three, and um, he starts talking about, like, basically from a first-person perspective on um, Lee Juki's like right. a high school persona name. Uh, I can't remember. Dohunsu yeah. or something. Um, I like remember thinking, cause before, like when Mu Chae Mwan was like, Oh, so you know him, like you, you're talking like you knew him personally. And he's like, no, I've like stories. I was like, <laughs> you literally just said you were the neighbor of this serial killer, like three right. sentences right. before that. Like if I was Muche One, I would have been like, okay, well, at least he right. met the kid. Maybe not friends, but he obviously lived next door. You probably met this person. So if I was the reporter, I would have been like, yeah, I was his neighbor. Of course I've met right. the guy. Like, I was like, how well, I mean, let's, 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 take, let's take the, unfortunately, how bad the cops are in almost every K-drama I watch. They yeah. kept yeah. the Tumblr next to their office desk and it recorded for how long (laughs) like days days and all of a sudden they're like right but then also in that same conversation i like why didn't the cop point that out that was the other thing i noticed in the conversation i was like why didn't they just say you just said he was your neighbor (laughs) so that was like things i noticed in this rewatch is like i don't understand why this conversation i mean i do we obviously right. do know why the conversation went the way it did because it had the last sixty exactly. episodes. But still. we got to get to point B, <laughs> and that's how we get there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so at the end of episode three, and this is just one of the greatest reveals, in my personal opinion. Uh, and this show had so many great reveals, but the one where they do the big reveal. 
And now for some quick K3 K-Drama Coffee Break business. That's right. We love sharing our K-Drama thoughts with you, our community of K-Drama lovers. And we have a few ways that you can support us. You can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash the K3. And by becoming a member, you will get a calendar with weekly updates and also Jen's blog filled with her K-Drama thoughts. You can also find us on YouTube. If you go into our archive, we have years of K-Dramas to recommend for you. And talk to us there as well on our community tab. We also have a discount for a VPN service. So if you are dying to get your K-Dramas that are airing only on Disney Plus in Asia, you can use our VPN. It keeps your devices safe. Just look for the code in the description below. Where the original, the true Beck Sung is actually in the house with the music, the same music from like the, the episode two and the drama of parting the clothing, dad's parting the clothing through the closet and walking through. And then the whole medical thing, like that was such an amazing reveal. I was just like, this show is the greatest show ever. And then we see Kim Ji-hoon, which as I said earlier at the top of the show, like just looking at him laying in bed unconscious, I had no, I had no knowledge of him. I have no reference point for Kim Ji Hoon. And just looking at this beautiful man with this gorgeous hair, I'm like, well, clearly he's important because there's no way they're keeping him unconscious for another twelve episodes. What did you guys think of episode four? Like, I feel like that one was really ramped up where our story was going for sure. I remember when I first watched that uh, that ending and going into episode four. I was so surprised by that reveal because, like, again, they didn't announce who he was, what he was doing. Like, so up to that point and the end of episode three, we really didn't know what happened to their Mm -hmm. original son. And honestly, after episode three, we really still don't know. (laughs) I mean, um, I think it wasn't until episode four that we got an inkling of what might have happened. But again, even with episode four, they didn't reveal who was driving the right. car or anything. So, um, I, w- I mean, I just remember being, so- I was like, why is he in a, ho-? I had like a million questions going through my head. Oh, of course, because of there's it's so like, many questions he now, right? He so he's still alive, but yeah. not, but they gave yeah. this guy his name and his identity. Like what is happening in this show? Like it's just such a great, yeah. again, so much information, but no information. That just keeps you watching. And that's, I think, right. part of the what makes this show so good. It gives just enough to have you be like, that's amazing what's happening next. But not so much that you're like, well, I know what's going to happen. Because did any of us really guess on our first watch where this was headed? No. <laughs> well, I also noticed on this watch, I don't know if I noticed on first watch, but I'm sure you guys have because this is your fifth watch. But still, uh, I didn't realize he was in like a kid's room. Yes. Like all around him is like a boy's room. And then he's the only thing that's gone. You know what? I did not. I did not notice that. I I just, I did not notice that. I'll have to take a look now that I did not notice. Fascinating. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't really, I mean, my immediate thought was like the mother just wanted to keep him because obviously we know what his character has done like is going to do in this show and what he's done my immediate thought was like the mother wanted to keep his ideal image even though her son's getting older his room but what i never find fascinating older. is it actually as we learn it wasn't mom it was dad and that to right. me is again right. one of those things that you're just like 
what? And I love that so much about this show. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Speaking of mom, oh, she's I terrible. still hate she's her. The worst. She's the <laughs> like, worst. Like, I also, the prop, the funny thing too, though, is I've realized I, I hate her. I hate, yeah. I think I hate her more than the dad, honestly. But I also love the fact that she's so much close to going off the deep end that it's hysterical to me. Like the whole scene with them oh in God. the pharmacy and she's just, freaking out like like every sentence i was laughing because i was like oh my god this woman is about to go nuts and she's about she's like fraying on the edges and it's hysterical to see because she in my opinion she absolutely deserves it but mm-hmm. yeah I, I yeah they they do try to give her a few mem- moments though like even like you they said do. in the pharmacy scene she she he hands her like the what was it the the herbal drink and she, she's like okay i'm sorry i went off of you like, let me know next time I do that. And immediately again, forgets everything she just says and goes off on him again. Yeah. And like the way that she, yeah. you know, again, starts further down the series, starts getting closer to the the daughter and, and building connections with her. But again, just going back to her, her original mentality, like they, they yeah. do try. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, she's not I, just completely I find her to be one brand. of the... I don't know what the right word to say. She's one of the most, I know this is going to be a weird thing to say, sympathetic characters. If you look at her entire trajectory, right? Because Mm -hmm. as we get deeper and deeper into it, things that occurred beyond her control that she's now having to live with, and she just does not have the bandwidth to deal with it. And she is becoming the most unhinged human ever and it just gets worse and worse and worse and it was such a she's terrible and she's awful and she's just a, but the but the the arc itself is really tragic it's a really tragic arc it is ultimately mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you oh sorry you almost see her as the opposite of muche Wan's character in the sense of like her again, her 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 beautiful world that she's built up over the years of being this lovely chibble lady married to this director of a hospital is suddenly crumbled and she crumbles along with it. Whereas Moon Che Wan, as she's again through the first four episodes, she's slowly getting these pieces like of of these cracks in the walls of her her world and how she reacts to it more of like mm-hmm. an acceptance and with more yeah. strength. Yeah, absolutely. I guess in that sense. Yeah, it's definitely. The mirror imaging is so fascinating to me throughout this show. You got Moon Che Wan and you've got Mom and you've got uh Becky Sung and you've got Do, uh Do Hyun Soo and then you've got the other way around. It's just the mirroring is just so well done in this show. I love it so much. You were going to say something, Carol. What was that? I was going to say what Michaela said and I really did feel bad for her because it's like she ended up with the wrong guy and with a horrible son. Like both, yeah, both of them were horrible to her, and she was in a horrible situation. So she was almost captive of the situation that she was. I'm not in. giving her a hundred percent pass. Exactly I'm just saying that nice she's a tragic figure, either. and I actually felt bad for her by the time yeah. it was all over. And almost by the I, time I we agree. get to the end, I feel like. And we're jumping way ahead, so I'm just going to kind of tease this. But I felt like even at the very end, like there was almost a level of relief from her character that it was just finally over. Like all of it was finally yeah. mm-hmm. goodbye. 
excellent. Like I just, I really, yeah. I just, her arc is just, it's really a fascinating arc as from a character standpoint, for sure. And I really enjoyed it. I'm wondering if her, like uh, the, speaking of mirroring, like I feel like her upbringing is kind of the same with Lee Joon-gi's mm. character of like if she had been married to the right guy or had a son that was more caring mm-hmm. like Lee Joon-gi or like wasn't married into a rich family right. like we don't know anything about her childhood or anything but like their two like upbringings have mirrors right. with them themselves and even even they are different in terms of what they are in the present day um, and what has come that what will mm-hmm. come in the episodes in the future and how they deal with right. things and everything like that. So, so good. So, OK, so the end of episode four, we essentially have the husband, our husband and wife, our two main leads have battled it out under the dark of night because he the greatest hammer throw in the history of hammer throws i mean let's be honest like the man is a genius right but he saves he keeps her from being hurt he gets stabbed in the process she has no idea who he is because he puts her blanket over her head but he loses his birthday wristwatch, right the band on his wall or the whole watch and so when I first, the first time I watched this, like, I don't know about you guys. And I just, I love, this is part of what I love about the show. Um, the first time I watched it, I'm like, how are we getting out of this? Like it's episode four and she's got his wristband with, he's got his watch with his name on it that she gave him. Like, how, where is this show going? And that it just, what did you guys think even towards the end at, at this, this rewatch on episode four? Like, it's just so well crafted, right? I just felt like you no, know, it's too soon. It's oh, okay. too soon. I had I had the exact it. opposite reaction. Every time I get so frustrated when she's like almost about to catch him on the ledge, almost about to catch him with the guy in the basement. Almost like I, I'm so I was so excited to know that we are getting so much closer to them just again revealing these secrets to each other and then knowing that we've got how many more episodes left to 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 deal with that because that's the part that i'm more interested in where Mm. the people are forced to confront those issues part of me didn't want his world to crumble and so that's Mm. why i didn't want those truths to come out quickly i wanted him to have an opportunity to figure it out and sort of add these new um what's the word these new variables to his controlled world. And so I was just like, oh, I hope she doesn't figure it out. Oh, she, she's so innocent. She's not <laughs> going to figure it out. She's going to give him the benefit of the, the doubt. That's her character. So, yeah, that's what I, I was, was always, I think, torn because on one hand, I was like, yes, we're going to get this figured out. We're only at episode four. This is fantastic. We're going to then move on. I was super excited. But because, you know, I mean, listen, if we would have had her the near misses for another four episodes, I'm not sure I would have stuck this show out because I was just like, how many near misses can we possibly have? But the flip side of it is, it's like, in my mind, I was like, where is this show going once she figures out who he is? Like, what do we do with this show? And so it was a combo platter for me when I first watched it. But now on rewatch, it's just so juicy to know that after episode four, we're already at that trajectory of, of, of knowledge and i'm so excited to watch the next four episodes (laughs) i just think it's so well done i think it's so well done 
That's kind of all four episodes, y'all. So was there anything that we didn't cover? Okay, so two things. One, <laughs> I forgot this because, again, this is my first rewatch. <laughs> when when they're in front of the house and the reporter is like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This oh, is yeah. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to do this. I laughed. I didn't laugh until he was like, you're going to flip over the wall and you do Keith's <laughs> character. No, this, like that. really epic flip. I was like, oh my God, the flip. I forgot the about flip that. was fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then um, episode four was the first time we got a ritual mm. scene in, in the village and the flashback of that. And I remember thinking like oh my god this poor kid like how much he's gone through and now you add like horrible rituals like we all know in k-drama land one of the tropes is if you have a ritual it's never good (laughs) like ever um so i just remember thinking and i'd forgotten it showed up in episode four i knew it was coming but i didn't remember that it was so early so yeah, I just remember on my first watch, I was like, oh, my God, we have to add rituals to this thing, like, because they think he's possessed. Oh, yeah. my God. I would, I think going back to what Carol had asked about how he didn't just go, eh, I'm done, I'm out, peace out, because I don't care. I think that that scene also gives us a clue that he does care, because when he came around the corner and he had that kind of uh, PTSD moment about the rituals, that clearly there's more emotion in him than what he's so far given us, right? That's real. Like he he had a visceral reaction. And oh, quick question for you guys. There's this moment where he's sitting on the patio, I think, with uh, Bekuna and and he's sitting there and he, I don't know what, but he gets this little smile on his face and she says, dad, what are you smiling about? And he's like, oh, I was smiling. I I don't know if I missed something that he was smiling about, but I also think that that's a little trigger of him sitting with his daughter, just drinking coffee and she's drawing like that's is a happy place for him. So I think without him even realizing it, that he actually, this is his home. And so I think kind of going back to that, that those two things stuck out to me as well. Yeah. Well, even like you're talking about the little, like the little things that make him happy, like even through that entire fight scene of them running Mm -hmm. and going through that, like fighting in the dark and him throwing things. He was intentional oh, in mm-hmm. what he was doing because he didn't want to hurt her. And then like falling over her to get to make sure she wasn't hit with anything. I remember on my first watch as well as I did, like I enjoyed that part in my rewatch because again, that was another example of like, he did care. He did not mm-hmm. want her to get injured. Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was more of the benefit of like the mother getting injured and not having the child get upset, but still like, again, another example of the little Mm -hmm. things his character does to make sure that the two people in his life that he does actually care about at this point in episode four, right. Injured and aren't mad at absolutely whatever. Okay, guys. So here's my question after episode, after four episodes, we're doing a rewatch. Does it hold up? Like, obviously, you know, my answer, (laughs) but What's your answer? I wonder if it still holds up. I even for this being like my fourth or fifth rewatch, like I still wanted to hit, I wanted to hit play on episode five so bad, but I was like, no, Jen, you were gonna 
pace yourself on this. You're going to pace yourself because you do not want to blow through it. You want to savor it. Um, what about you guys? Michaela, did you, was it, you're on my, you're kind of at the, you know, four or five rewatches as well. Yeah. We're on the same page with this, Jen. Like it's, the, okay. it's I'm so excited. Like I, I've never, if I, if I was to, to critique it at all, um, like, see, even if I'm trying to it's like, cause I, I enjoyed the first watch so much, but I, I guess in in like you like you said there are certain moments uh where i just stop caring about the cop stuff <laughs> and where where it feels like at some points the the drama is almost kind of conflicting with itself especially in these first four episodes where it's like okay i'm i'm just kind of just going to keep skipping the cop bits because i'm not necessarily here for the cop drama i'm more here for again this this mm-hmm. his story and their story and their family yeah. story specifically no i totally agree so it just, if, yeah, if it could, maybe if they were to, again, with future remakes, maybe figure out a way to balance those two things. But I agree. I I, sometimes the cop stuff is like so jarringly different that I'm like, I'm like, let's just, let's just move on. It's great. I love it. Carol, what about you? Where are you at with your rewatch? I am, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I think it's a very captivating show and you're able to watch it over and over again. I sort of, I'm halfway with the cop stuff, like the first story of the kid who got, who fell down the stairs, et cetera. I was like, yeah, it's okay. But the second story with the, I guess, social worker or something, helping the grandma. And that to me was very interesting because I definitely had confirmation bias of looking at the actions and saying, of course, she's not evil. Like, what are we talking about? And then for it to gradually turn and you're like, whoa, okay, Carol, reminder. The fact that they look some way doesn't mean they're not capable of doing anything. I also love her reason. I also love, it's one of my favorite, like, just the reason she did it. Like, I was just like, Mm -hmm. what? Like, it was just so jarring. It was so jarring. Like, I didn't want to walk up those stairs every day. I was like, what? Like, it was just, it was so fantastic. Yeah. Ah, oh, that was, yeah, it was delicious. Uh, Caitlin, what about you? How are you doing on your first rewatch of Flower of Evil? As the three, uh, three of us have been. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious <laughs> about like, this is going to be a slog, um, y'all. <laughs> I will say I'm angry that you stopped on episode four, because obviously we know what's in episode five. And again, that's like one of my favorite scenes of the entire drama. Um yeah, no, I think it's I think it definitely still holds up. I think as I said, I noticed some things in the rewatch that I probably either I don't remember that I noticed in the first time because this has been 3 years since I watched it, um or I didn't notice it, like some quotes and some camera angles and things like that. So it's interesting to see what I pick up on. Um I will say, like, I do love the family units and everything, but me being a crime drama thing at heart, the f- the family is cute and everything. And I like that. <laughs> but, but I'm more in it for the darker moments and when Lee Joon-gi becomes the other persona as well as all the crime stuff so i'm the opposite of what all you guys like uh because i do enjoy the crime episodic crime stuff and um things like that so 
yeah <laughs> I, I do think it does hold up though. excellent all right you guys yeah. so that's kind of that's the first four episodes for everybody watching out, uh, out there listening and watching out there so follow along with us before we close this up did, did we miss anything is there anything about those first four episodes that you guys did not did not get a chance to to talk about that you want to mention now the creepy father hallucination Ooh. that I completely I didn't completely forget about it but I was like oh I forgot how creepy this thing is and he shows up I think in episode three for the first time maybe four but uh I thought that actor did that very well because like it's a it's a it's a character that like I don't remember in further episodes if we actually get like his father actually mm-hmm. being alive and <clears throat> and not just a hallucination I can't remember um, but him as an hallucination and him kind of just creepily standing there across the street or in a forest or whatever, I forgot how weirded out it and added tension to a scene that really already either had tension or didn't have tension at all and all of a sudden it became yeah. tension filled. I mean, listen, um, those black contacts are so doing yeah, a I lot of heavy that. lifting. I mean, really. <laughs> you throw slap black contacts on anybody and you're like i'm completely weirded out <laughs> right yeah so i i rem- i forgot all about the hallucination part of this and then he showed up i'm like oh my god yeah that's right so yeah but it is interesting because like we again we interpret it as like a psychological thing about like his past trauma but in some ways it almost lends truth to like what the villagers claimed in the beginning like in the sense he is possessed by or or haunted by the spirit right? of his his father the serial killer <laughs> so do we have theories of like i remember talking about this with jen when it first aired do we have theories of like why at what points these things the, the, he does show up like what do you think makes him makes Ijungi start seeing I him. believe from one of my rewatches that Ijungi starts seeing him after one of the exorcisms. No, no, just in general. Like not not necessarily when at first. Like in the scenes that he has shown mm-hmm. up in three and four, he wasn't obviously going through an exorcism. So what in his psyche like is it a feeling of guilt? Does he feel guilt? Because like like an example of I think in episode four, he showed up when he was on a date with Muche Wan's character. Mm-hmm. So what in that scenario triggered the hallucination? I think that like the fact that he was I, I think it triggered because he was happy yes. and he was like moving on or trying to move on from the trauma that he was doing. So then the hallucination, I think it basically is the thing of guilt. He's either guilting in terms of like he's he feels guilty for moving on from his past, from dealing with his father, from dealing with the village and actually finding a happy place and having accepting like, and then this hallucination comes up and is like, you can't do that. You, you still, you can't accept your life. You can't accept the trauma that you've been through. I won't let you do that. Like it's his mind basically saying you can't, you can't move on. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. I agree with you. I agree with Caitlin. Yeah. I think that um, those hallucinations come in different ways. Yes. But then it's almost like, how dare you get a normal life and be happy when the rest of us are struggling or when the rest of us are bad. You're supposed to be bad. You're my son. And, and you know, 
live the way I lived almost. So yeah. Interesting. I Michaela? On, on that point about right to the question of like why the what triggers the hallucinations, I don't know. That just reminded me about some some aspects about like his relationship mm. with his mother. But I feel like I'll wait. I'll hold out and I'll okay. put that in my pocket when we get to those episodes yeah, where we absolutely. actually learn more. About I think okay, we'll do that. Um, I would say that I, to some extent, I agree with what you're saying. I'm not sure it's my theory has never been guilt per se, but that um, uh, Taji Wan actually he said it. He says it multiple times, and even I think in episode between episode one and four that she makes the visions go away. So. There is this kind of going back to what we said, the conditioning, dad wanting him to be a serial killer, to, to, to take over the family business, um, to join him, you know, and that kind of stuff. And then the, you know, the exorcisms and dad killing himself and killing mom and like all that stuff that he was expected to be. And so I feel like it's not, my opinion has always been that it's not guilt so much as, again, the conditioning. This is who you're supposed to be. It's not, what are you doing? Like, you can't have that. You are supposed to be this. And so anytime he gets, steps outside of that very controlled environment, that's when dad shows up to be like, ah, dog collar, don't forget your, your, you know, your lineage. Here it is. Like, yeah, that's great. Uh, that's how I always saw it. And that, that's why um, Chaji Wan, when she's around, he disappears because as we know, there's some connection between the two of them, which, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Like, I mean, I, I have my quibbles about how they got together because I'm like, why is she like this man? He's very, he's very, not very nice. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, but clearly there's something about her that he is drawn to and that uh, she makes it go away. And so that's how I always kind of, that's how I saw it. All right, y'all. That was a lot of fun. Like, I love deep diving this stuff. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm really excited to do the rest of these. <laughs> episodes coming up the next eight episodes i'm not gonna lie to you are some of like my favorite episodes in all of television so get ready for jen to dog even more if it's possible um i'm jen with the k3 if you guys want to find us we are at the k3 on twitter which i refuse to call x so twitter instagram and over on youtube which you're probably watching it on there if you are listening or watching Please give us, a, if you're enjoying it and enjoying what we're doing, give us a like and give us a follow. It helps with all the algorithms out there. And we really appreciate it. Carol? Thank you, everyone, for listening. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me on, Jen. And uh, if you're looking for me, I am Gay Dramas Musings on Instagram and on TikTok. Eventually, I'll get to YouTube, but I'm looking forward to the next uh, episode. So see you next time. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. And Caitlin. Uh, yeah, I'm Caitlin. You guys know me. Uh, I'm No Sleep 4, the number four dramas at X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. TikTok, Instagram, yeah, Twitter. Uh, I have a blog. You can find that uh, no sleep 4 dramas.com, I think is it. Um, it's on my socials, anywhere you can find socials. So. Excellent. And Michaela. Hi, everybody. I'm Michaela from the K-pop cast, the, the K-pop podcast. Um, so you can find me um, at the K-pop cast on all socials. Uh, we also have a, a super secret, not secret Slack channel that you can find in every description of our episodes. If you know you want to talk more about K-pop or more K-drama stuff, especially the ones that we've covered on our show, you can always join that and come come chat with us. And uh, 
I'm so excited to be here. Guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I am so excited. I love it. I love that you guys are want to hang out and want to chat talk deep dive some really amazing K-dramas. And to all of you out there listening and watching, we would love to hear either your comments about the first four. If this is a rewatch for you, follow along with us as a rewatch. We're going to be doing the next episodes are going to be five through eight. Oh, the halfway point. We're going to cover that in the next one. I cannot wait. So until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye, everybody.